Tuning in to the voice of God, next on Abounding Grace. Here I am, speak to me. Or it says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You may want to mark that in your own life, where it becomes a habit of your life. When you open the Bible, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. When you come to a Bible study, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. When you turn on the radio, speak, Lord, for your servant. Like when you experience life, to be open to the voice of the Lord. We know that God speaks. The question is, are we tuning in? That's the real question. Are we tuning in? Are we able to receive and understand His Word? This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm sure you've experienced it. You're speaking to someone, but their mind is a million miles away. They're not hearing a word you're saying. You know, sometimes we're that way with God. He's speaking, but we're not receptive. As we continue our study of Hebrews chapter 12, Pastor Ed is going to have us consider 1 Samuel chapter 3. Here we receive quite a contrast between one who received God's word and someone who didn't. In all the knowledge that you might gain, it needs to be tempered by love. That's why Samuel, Samuel's in a position where he's a kiddo, so he doesn't have a lot of knowledge to lean back on. He's sensitive to the voice, even though he, he isn't fully in that place of maturity yet, as you'll see in a moment. Look at verse 2, back in 1 Samuel 3. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he couldn't see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. I mean, this is the spiritual leader of the day, and it takes him three times to discern what God was doing in young Samuel's life. Three times. Now, some of you might be a three-timer yourself. It takes three times for the Lord to get, to get into you. Three times for you to receive from the Lord. The good news is, if it takes three times, God will do three times. He'll, he'll do whatever it takes. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance. He will get to you however many times it requires. That's how faithful God is. For Eli, Samuel needed strong spiritual leadership. Eli didn't give it to him, but God gave it to him. And here he is. Samuel, here's what's happening. You're so sensitive to, vo to that voice 
That voice is God. So you go back down, you lay down, and the next time you hear it, I want you to answer, here I am, speak to me. Or it says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You may want to mark that in your own life where it becomes a habit of your life. When you open the Bible, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. When you come to a Bible study, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. When you turn on the radio, speak, Lord, for your servant. Like when you experience life to be open to the voice of the Lord. We know that God speaks. The question is, are we tuning in? That's the real question. Are we tuning in? Are we able to receive and understand His Word? It's like those gathered, it's like you guys here today. You gathered online. Tune in on the radio. Right here, right now, there are many voices in this room. You know, some of the voices are, are just inside of your head where you've been distracted and you're thinking about other things. And instead of paying attention or focusing, you got other things on your mind. Some of them are for real good reason. You got a lot of difficulties right now. You got a lot of, and so you're thinking about this and you're worried about that. You got voices just going through of, of how you're speaking and what you're thinking about. But there's also just in the atmosphere of this room, all kinds of voices, all kinds of music, all kinds of images right now here in this room. And if we were to take the proper tuner, like, for example, if we brought a radio in here and we started tuning the dial on each of the numbers, we'd hear different voices because they're all here right now. And even as you make that choice in your car on your way into the office, whether you're Sirius XM or you're looking, listening to FM or you're putting on music from your iPhone or whatever, you're tuning in because there's something specific you want to hear. Well, that same attitude needs to be toward the things of God, that you would tune yourself to hear the Word of God and what He wants to say. Now, there are two words in the Greek language that are used to describe the Word of God. The first one is the word logos or logos. And that usually refers to the written Word of God, to what has been written. And let me just say, when you receive a word from God or a direction, God is not writing new chapters in the Bible today. According to Jude chapter 1 verse 3, there's only one chapter in Jude, the Bible says of itself that the faith has once for all been delivered to the saints. So don't let anyone come to you and say, oh, I have a New Testament. I have a hidden book. We have the lost books of the Bible. There's no such thing. The Bible is delivered and it is finished and it is complete. It is God's final testimony, his final word, and it is worthy of your time and attention to base your life on the word of God. It is the rock representing the voice of God to us today. So he's not writing new scripture. But what he is, is he's taking the scriptures, and here's the second word that's used to describe uh, the word of God in the New Testament, and that is the rhema word, R-H-E-M-A. And, and a rhema word from God has more to do to speaking his truth to a situation or a specific event and time. Like it's a word for today. It's a word for your life. And what happens as the Logos or the Logos is being taught in a room like this, even here, and as it goes out on the radio and it'll air, you know, maybe a year or two from now on the radio, the, as you walk away from it, you go, man, that was for me. Man, that was for me. And yet you have so many backgrounds here, so many situations here where God can take his word as it's written and as it goes forth in teaching by the Holy Spirit, it hits you differently, hits you differently, hits you differently. Some of you got it now. Some of you get it a week later. And just boom, because the Lord, his, the Bible says that his word is alive and powerful. 
sharper than any two-edged sword. No other book gives you the kind of life that the Bible gives you. And so we receive the Word of God as we tune in into the spiritual realm. Eli, being a professional priest by now, he has lost the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. But not Samuel. Samuel's super sensitive because he's living a simple life like kids do. Kids live a simple life. You get jealous of them sometimes, right? They're not, they're not worrying about clothes on their backs. They're not worried about food on the table. But let me pause there for a second and just say this, though. There is a group of kids that do. We talked last week about foster care system, kids in the orphanages, even a lot of the homeless population are kids. And so I'm saying for us in general, kids, they just depend on their parents. Their parents take care of them. They're not worried. They're not concerned. I mean, they might sometimes feed off of your worry and concern. But if you're not worried or concerned, they're not worried or concerned because they know you're going to take care of them. There's just a simplicity about them. And if your kids come up after a service and I get to talk to them and get down on their level, let me tell you this. If I ask your kids eye to eye, hey, do you want to meet? Can I read a Bible verse to you? They'd say, sure, read it. It happened last night. There's some kids coming up and I was down after praying with people and we're talking about things and the parents are standing with the kids there and I'm down on my knees talking to them because they happened to be super short last night. So they were right there and I was on my knees and I turned around and I said, can I, you guys want to hear a Bible verse? And all of them, there was like four kids. They said, yes, yes. So I opened up my Bible. I let them read it. I did it with my finger here and I started reading John 3:16. but I didn't tell them where it was. I said, for God so loved the world. And I shared the gospel with them. I said, God wants you to be in relationship with him. He loves you. And I said, does anybody know where that is? Where that verse is in the Bible? And one of the girls says, yes, I know, John 3, 16. They didn't have any problem receiving from me. They were attentive, focused. They, they were quiet. But you and me, at times we have a hard time receiving the simple word of God. We have a hard time receiving the love of God. We have a hard time tuning in. I mean, even to some, some degree where we just resist it. We, we just fight it. We, we just say, no, I don't want it in my life. I want something else. Samuel went back with direction now. And parents, your kids, they want to hear the word of God from you. They will receive it from you. Oh, they may not be as nice to you as they are to me. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> I've already raised my kids. <laughs> And you know, you get those reports back. I remember those days you get the reports back from Sunday school. Oh, so-and-so is such a great kid, such a great kid. And I go home with Maria and go, man, why aren't they like that at home? Because they're kids. And parents, there's a simplicity in your child that even if they don't give you the right answers to the quizzes, you know, you might, you might read the Bible and go, okay, here's the question. And you ask them the question, whoa, what, where, what did, who was up in the tree? And, and, the, and you're looking, you're waiting to, to hear Lazarus up in the tree or Zacchaeus, I mean, up in the tree. And the answer is Jesus. Everything, everything you ask them, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You go, no, you're not learning it. Ah, calm down. Because your kids are receiving the word. And it's taking root in their hearts. And they don't have to be, you're not raising kids to take Bible quizzes. You're raising kids to love Jesus. And all along the way, we don't want to impose on them our adultness so that they can hear the word of the Lord. At least even in his corruptness, Eli gave a good word. And that encourages me. Notice verse 10 now. 
The Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered just what he was told. Speak for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'll do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I'll perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And that was a heavy word to receive. Samuel laid down till morning, opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And this is a little insight of how bad Eli really was. Notice what happens. He said, what is the thing that the Lord has said to you? Please do not hide it from me. Look at the guilt trip. And you know, little Sam is already afraid. You could probably see it on his face, see it in his eyes. Look what Eli does. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. What a creep, man. You know, whatever you heard, if you don't tell me right now, you're going to get double what? It's like, come on, man. Be sensitive to the kiddos. Be careful. Take care of them. And Samuel told him, it says everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good. I mean, Eli wouldn't even repent. He could have repented here. The very next phrase could have said, I have failed. I failed as a dad. I failed as a priest. God, please forgive me. Please show mercy. Please, instead, eh, whatever. I'll deal with it. Here he is, Eli, refusing the word of God. But not little Samuel. He took it all in and delivered it as was necessary. So before we leave here, let me just ask and answer the question, help you answer the question, how do I know if something really is from God? Like, how do I know? How do I know if, if a message or a word or something is from God? Because God does speak today for sure. And he does use different ways, visions, dreams. He gives us an impression. He may make a scripture come alive. He may send a message through a friend, through an email, through a text. He, he may send an encourager. We know that God's not writing any new scripture, but he is still moving on the earth today. So how does he speak? Well, he speaks primarily through the Bible, the Word of God. And he causes the Word of God to spark afresh in our hearts as we read it and receive it and respond. You know, hearing from God is not as solid as some might think because I've met many, many people that have made many, many bad decisions, but their response was, well, I have a peace about it. I have a peace about it. A lot of people hide behind that where they're making a very sinful, unbiblical decision, but then when you talk to them about, oh, no, I have a peace about it. Listen, that peace that you feel is not from the Lord when you're choosing to sin. It's just a justification you've wrapped around your behavior. That's all that is. And so just saying, oh, I have a peace about it, it's really a dangerous place because you're resisting the word, you're quenching the Holy Spirit, and you're, gonna about, you're about to make a very bad decision that you will not escape the consequences. Now, God may be gracious and merciful, and it may not be as bad as, as you think, but listen, you don't, don't, come to this, don't, don't come to that place where I have a peace about it. Like, God's not going to give you a peace about having adultery. You will never have a peace about that. You will never have a peace about stealing. You will never have a peace about lying. 
You'll never have a peace about slandering and gossiping and destroying a person. You'll never, you can say you have a peace. You can say you're doing the work of God, but you're not. You go, Ed, well, how do I know then? If what I'm hearing or where I'm being led, how do I know it's truly from God? I'm glad you asked. Number one, here are some things to consider. Number one, first of all, the Bible is the final test of whether something's from God or not. The Bible, not the pastor, not the video, the Bible. You, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. That's the final word. You're not going to be able to use Pastor Ed as an excuse in heaven. It's not going to be possible. You can't, you, you make a bad decision and, and you go, well, well, I heard that guy on the radio. It was that guy on the radio. And God says, Ed? Yeah, it was Ed. I got on the radio. And God says, you can't use Ed as an excuse. That was your decision. Yeah, but pastor said, no, no. And I watched that video. No, no. What does the word of God say? You want to be a man or a woman of God's word. And I know there are some difficult things in the Bible. I understand. My, my life is devoted to studying the Bible and presenting it in such a way it can be understood. I totally get there are a lot of difficulties in the Bible. Well, you've got to learn to set aside the things you don't understand and focus on the things you do understand until God gives you further understanding. <laughs> and so the Bible is the final word. Something from God will never contradict his word. And before you conclude something's from God, test it by the word. Remember, there was a group of believers, you Bible students know, there was a group of believers in the book of Acts in the city of Berea. So much so that we refer to someone that loves God's word and checks it out as Bereans. That's where that phrase comes from. You can jot it down in Acts chapter 17 in verse 11. It says this. These were four more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. What this is saying is, Paul would come to Berea, he taught the Bible, they received it, but then they tested it by the word. They tested Paul the Apostle. Do you know Paul the Apostle came here today and said, I have a word from the Lord, I'm sitting down right there and taking notes. But not to the point of not testing what the brother says by the word. Because that's what a Berean does. So whether you get a word from someone or you get an impression, you want to make sure it doesn't contradict the word. Number two, how do I know it's a word from the Lord? Number two, we need to remain flexible and open to the Holy Spirit. God dwells in you, born-again believer. God dwells in you. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are sealed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we need to remain flexible and open even to receive a word, to tune in. And what I mean by this is we can never really fully 100% trust our own ability to hear from God accurately 100% of the time. We're humans. We're fraught with weaknesses and failures. So instead of speaking like we know everything and we have every answer and we're 100% sure, it's better to leave room for the Holy Spirit to give us clarity on what we've heard or what, like, like for instance, Taking a step of faith, if, it's, if it doesn't contradict the word, the next step might be taking a step of faith. I'm just stepping out and testing the Lord. So I think this is from the Lord. And I'll, let's just do it on a real simple thing. Don't think about taking a step of faith and moving around the country as a missionary. Let's do something real simple. 
You're there having breakfast. You've done your devos. You've got a little bit of time. You're just eating your cereal. Ready to, and you get this impression to share your devos with a friend to send a text message. And you're like, well, doesn't really seem to contradict the Bible to encourage someone to send a scripture. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just overexcited. And I don't know. What, what would they think if I sent it? I don't know if it's from God. I guess I won't send it. And then Cheerios are back in, you know. No, instead, it doesn't contradict the word. Why don't you just send the text and leave it in the Lord's hands? And who knows? They might write back to you. Why in the world? Leave me alone. I don't want you. Okay, great. Wasn't from the Lord. <laughs> well, maybe it was. You never know. Or maybe you don't get any response. You go, oh, yeah, I'll go to work. And then later in the day at 5 p.m., you get a text. Thank you so much for texting me this morning because I really needed it today. Just take the step of faith. Here, here's what happens. So many of us are absolutely terrified of failing and looking dumb and foolish. So we don't do anything. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, I don't know. I want it to be 100%. I need to know. So we never do anything. We're so afraid of failure that we choose not to make any choice, which is the wrong choice. So you're so afraid of failing that you say, well, you know what? I'm not going to make a choice at all because I don't want to fail. But that's actually a bad choice to not make a choice at all because God's giving you that inspiration. Just go ahead and do it. Share it. Go there. Show up there. Give that away. Whatever it is that he's sharing with you. You don't need to be afraid of failure because, and I was, uh, I was listening to the radio the other day and one of the brothers had shared this quote um, from Timothy Keller. And it was so good because he said something like this. He said, it's not the exact quote, but he said something like, um, if, if we really believe that God is sovereign, and that means in control of all things, and we do, 100%. Then we also have to make room that in God's sovereignty, he may lead us to failure so that we can learn from failure to trust him. So we have this mindset that everything, success, 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 success. If I'm going to participate, I want to win. I want a gold medal. I want first place. Sometimes God will have us fall on our face and actually be in it so that we would learn from failure. The world, our culture understands this. Because I'm sure you've heard before uh, this phrase that you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. They understand this principle. It's a godly, biblical principle. So number two, hey man, be open and flexible and take a step of faith. If it doesn't contradict the Bible, number one, then it may just mean you act on it, number two. And then finally, number three, how do I know something's from the Lord? Number three, be careful not to lean on your own understanding, trying to figure things out. Be careful. Because these all really tie together. God does want to lead you. God does want to guide you. God does want to give you faith steps so you can walk in them. Even if they're what you perceive as a success or a failure, God is in them all. He's working all things together for the good. He wants you not to lean on your own understanding and your own mind and your own knowledge. He wants us to lean on Him through the thick and the thin. As if it's, you live life sometimes like it's all on you. It's not all on you. It's all on God. You belong to Him. Well, we hope you found that helpful as you set out to discern whether or not it's God who's speaking to you. And then, when you're sure it's God, receive His Word into your life and obey, just as Samuel did. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. Calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.